Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Hashtag Prepped. My name is Naka, and today we are joined by one of the most amazing people I have ever met to help a specific group of students navigate a unique field of study. As today's title suggests, we are talking about the theater arts and the arts in general and the process it takes to not only get into those types of schools, but also thrive in those types of majors and programs. Now, my thespian and artistic skills extend to no more than my stand-up comedy days way back when and uh, my little stint as an understudy for Warbucks in Annie in 8th grade and uh, the fun few minutes I had on MTV May that I'll never talk about. So, sitting across from me today, we have one of the most incredible people I've ever come across. We're going to learn all about his tremendous success on and off the Broadway stage. But more specifically, today's guest brings not only the expertise of a massively accomplished actor, but also he himself is an educator to many already award-winning and aspiring thespians through his teachings at the CCM, the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. I would like to officially welcome to the show the dream climber himself, Mr. Derek Davis. Welcome to Hashtag Prepped. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. You know it is. I recently had the opportunity to see your literally breathtaking performance in Ragtime at the Bay Street Theater out in Sag Harbor. And when I mean literally breathtaking, I mean literally. I'm gasping for breath at the end of it. I'm still recovering from that last scene. What a play. And for someone who doesn't dabble too much in theater, your gravitas on stage drew me in and I was hooked. And if I remember correctly, the next day you had a table reading with uh, Julie Andrews? It was actually a staged reading. So we were doing the production of Ragtime that you saw. And in the midst of it, Julie Andrews uh, took a few of us and asked us to be a part of a work that she was doing with her daughter uh, called The Great American Mousicle. Uh, it's a cute story for both young people and grown folks alike. And uh, so we kind of did double duty in that we had to rehearse during the day and then do ragtime at night. And then on our traditionally off day on Monday was our performance of Julie Andrews' show. What, a, what amazing connections and what a fantastic theater to do that in as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm ecstatic and honored to have you on the show, uh, not only because we're BFFs, but also because of our amazing work as, you know, realtors out in the community. So if anyone has any realtor needs, hit us up. We're the best at it. But I haven't actually had the opportunity to hear the whole Derek Davis story because we only know each other in that kind of work capacity. So before we get into the process of becoming an actor and finding that perfect program for you... Derek, can you share your experience and your acting journey with our listeners? Because more than anything, you yourself are from Long Island. You are that Long Island success story. Yeah, so I did grow up on Long Island. I grew up in Amityville, uh, and I attended college at LIU-CW Post, uh, my alma mater. Woo-hoo. Um, and uh, to make it short, I mean, the long of it, if you want to see my whole resume, you can go to my website. But the short of it is I graduated after studying four years in vocal music performance with a concentration in opera. Uh, and I went out to audition for the Met and for New York City Opera and everything. And I didn't feel like it was the right fit. And so I went back to my original love, which was musical theater, and started to audition. And I realized very quickly that auditioning in and of itself is a completely different dynamic of performance than stage performance. Because in an audition, you get 30 seconds to a minute to convince a panel of artistic creatives that you can do in two hours 
the you know the journey of a character, but you only have this small window to, to convince them that you can do it, and you're on top of all of these insane nerves and everything like that. So, after doing auditions for a little bit of time, I had to come off of the auditioning circuit for a while just to kind of collect myself and pay some student debt down, you know. <laughs> um, and so I worked in odd jobs, which was the beginning of my real estate journey, which oh, we yeah. could come back to. Um, but then after that, I went back into auditioning and I started with The Lion King in Las Vegas in the ensemble. And then I was Mufasa on the, the national tour, the Gazelle tour of The Lion King. And then they had me transferred to the Broadway company where I covered Mufasa and Scar. Uh, and then from there I did, um, oh God. I forget the character's name in Dreamgirls. That's crazy. <laughs> God. Uh. Curtis Taylor Jr. Boom. Curtis Taylor Jr. in Dreamgirls in Dallas Theater Center's Tony Award winning season. And then from there, that's when I became the Phantom in the Phantom of the Opera on the 25th anniversary tour. And then I came back to Broadway to do Carousel, where I covered Joshua Henry in uh, the role of Billy Bigelow. And it goes on and on and on and on. King Triton. Uh, and Little Mermaid. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. If I remember correctly, you were the first black phantom of the opera, right? I was the first black phantom on the road. There were two before me. So uh, the way it goes is uh, Robert Guillaume played it for a very short stint way back when it first opened in California. And then Norm Lewis played it on Broadway for a, for a season. And then came along me. All right. Well, as embarrassing as this is going to sound, I have yet to see Phantom of the Opera, so I hear it is one of the most accessible shows. It is. However, comma, they are closing. So if you want to see it, get your tickets. (laughs) Now, since this is an SAT test prep podcast, I do have to lean into the SAT bit of this a bit quickly. So while many schools do lean towards test optional, several of the merit-based scholarships are still based on an SAT or an ACT score. Today's show notes will have links to several opportunities for students to explore those type of scholarships. But furthermore, I want to remind students that all the skills they pick up, especially in grammar and math, lay the foundations, like the fundamentals, for college. More specifically, getting into colleges, because many students will start their SAT prep in sophomore or junior year, and all those grammar skills, they do carry over to the college essays that they're going to be writing not even a year later. And while bad grammar is egregious on a college essay, because it will look terrible, I'll call a spade a spade on that. Good grammar just doesn't bring you up to a base level. It makes you stand out. Knowing when to use I versus me correctly. Who versus whom. Less versus fewer. Simple things like that. Not even the content of the essay itself will make you stand out. And that's one thing you have to do with all these college uh, essays to stand out. And when it comes to test optional, if you're not submitting an SAT score, you need to submit something just as valuable. And we're going to talk about that, either the audition or the portfolio for theater arts students. You know, since we're talking about these college essays, Derek, do you remember what you wrote your college essay on? <laughs> <laughs> In 1902? No, I do not. <laughs> no, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago, and I don't remember what I wrote. <laughs> well, if you were to write it the, today based, yeah. you know, a lifetime later, what would you write your college essay on? Well, um, I don't know what specific I would write it about. And I, actually, I could think of something, but I don't know that it's it's helpful for me to say exactly what I would write it about. But I think that what's key and important is I would definitely write about something that means something to me, that that evokes an emotion in me so that this way, as I'm writing, the emotion the emotional connection between the two people, the writer and the reader of what you've written will be there because it goes the same with performing because if you perform something with emotional contact, you connect with the, the audience, you know, and I'm sure 
professors and admissions offices read through hundreds and hundreds of these essays, you want to capture them. So you got to give them something of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into what these theater art programs are. What does a four-year theater arts curriculum generally look like? Yeah, it's it's different for every university, but usually what it looks like is a lot of concentration in whatever your instrument or voice type is. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of focus in that, but you also have your core classes. So for me, what I found helpful was to focus on, especially in my first three, four semesters, to get the majority of my core classes out of the way. Because coming from high school where everything is, you know, math, science, and all that kind of thing, it's an easier transition to just continue studying those things as you start to kind of make your way into the focus of your craft itself. And then also this way, as you're preparing yourself to leave university, your focus is on what you're going to be doing as you exit. So I think that a four-year uh, setup for your uh, education should look something like that if you take my advice as being smart. <laughs> and, and to kind of plug another SAT point here, doing well on, say, the English portion, the reading, writing, if you score above like a 600, 650, you can place out of like those freshman year writing classes so you can spend more time focusing on your art. Well, I wish I would have known that when I was going to school. <laughs> Are there any prestigious programs or programs that students should know about on Long Island or just in the nation since you're all over? Well, um... I will say uh, CCM is amazing, <laughs> only because I have been working there. Uh, but also, I think it's important for you to know what you need as a student. If you need a large university setting where you're kind of making your own path and you don't necessarily need hand-to-hand -hand contact with the professors and the administrative, then look for a larger university. But if you're the type of person that needs smaller classes and more focused attention on you to kind of guide you forward, then definitely look for the smaller, more intimate universities. And when it comes to the application process to mm -hmm. these universities, what makes it different from sending like the usual common app? Yeah, so you're going to have to do what everybody else does going into into school, but on top of that, you're also going to have to present yourself as a performer if you're a performer, you know, and and that means making sure that. As you're going through your junior high and high school experience that you're taking voice lessons, dance lessons, uh, maybe some acting classes, not necessarily, but definitely performing in different groups or on stage or on screen productions, uh, just immersing yourself in what it is you're going to be doing in university so that this way they can see that you're serious about what you're doing. Also, on top of your admissions essays and testings and everything like that, you're probably going to have to do an audition, whether it be a virtually taped audition or an in-person audition. Hopefully they're in person at this point again. Yeah, well, I've had several students reach out to me when they found out we are doing a theater arts episode. And one of the biggest questions they were asking is if you had any tips for the Zoom auditions, because I think since COVID, things have changed a bit. Yes, they've changed immensely, a lot. Even auditions for... Broadway or for TV and film, you're doing self-tapes now. So this is a good learning experience for everyone because it's never going to leave. But what I have found is, particularly for stage, but for everything as well, if you're a stage performer, there's a certain energy that you have to produce that will hit the back row, which is a very large energy for a stage in, in a live space. With self-taping, you're actually doing a film and television reel 
of yourself. So you have to convince them that you can do what's required for stage, but it has to be captured in a film component, if, if that makes sense. So my best advice to you is make sure that what you're doing is big enough to show that you can do it for stage, but not so big that it's not appropriate for, t for screen. So you have to kind of make it a little bit more, a little smaller, a little more compact, but still big. It's such a crazy dance. Yeah. Make sure you look it's at what you've taped. Line. It is, it is. But make sure and look at what you've taped and see if it looks like too much. And if it is, do it again. Never look at something and say, ah, it's good enough. Look at it and say, this is the best that I can do. And then submit that. And as an educator, I'm sure you've seen many auditions. I yes. I know we've chatted, uh, you know, about even your students getting on stage winning awards. Any auditions that kind of stand out to you? That yeah, yeah. There there was one that I'll never forget. I won't say her name because I didn't get permission to. But it was her entrance audition to the Conservatory of Music in Cincinnati, and she stood stark still the entire song didn't move very much at all but in her eyes was the connection to the character the connection to the story the connection to the scene i could see everything happening in her eyes and so when she made a small tilt of the head or a small move of the, the hand or the arm it was so impactful so i say all that to say that stood out because she had done the work to understand the character, to understand the story, to understand the trajectory of it all, so that even standing completely still, I believed her. So don't just learn the lyric and the music and the melody and, and you know, the breaths and all that kind of thing. Do that. That's, that's technically important. But even more important than that is the storytelling. And in order to tell the story, you have to know the story. This is a fantastic... I'm, I'm so captivated right now as you're talking right now. You, you've drawn me in. I was like, yes, what is the more... I'm the telling story? the story. I did my job. Well, Derek, we were walking around campus earlier because this is your alma mater, right? Oh. And we were in the Till Center and we were taking a look at just some people setting up the stage and everything like that. That there are these other fine parts to the theater arts, right? Setup, production and everything. What do you learn from these theater art programs that you think that most people don't know? What I will say is, as a performer, I don't care if you're on stage, on screen, whatever, or if you want to be backstage, it's vitally important to avail yourself to learning everything about everything that goes into making a show. As a performer on stage, I took it upon myself while I was in Vegas, while I was on tour, and when I was on Broadway for the first time, to connect with the lighting designer, the lighting director, the, the musicians, the carpentry, the the costume design, the the uh the set designer, the the stage management, the house management, the company management, like there's full so immersion. Yeah. Full immersion, but also a full understanding because you don't want to be a performer that gets on stage and is unaware of how what you're doing is affecting what everybody else's job is because it does. Everyone's working to make what you do on stage succeed but you have to do what you need to do to make sure that what they're doing is helping you and that you're not getting in the way of it all and the only way to do that is to understand it so i would say make sure that you connect with people and also connect with people in all the different departments but also you may find something or another department that really makes your heart sing you know and maybe something that you do 
straight out the gate or later on in life. Because what I've learned is that life is lived in chapters and you may not do the same thing for the entirety of the rest of your life, but you may do things in chapters. So avail yourself to everything so that you have the option to move in different directions as you move forward. All right, Derek. So now for the million dollar question. How do you know if the performance arts is right for you? It's, it's a lifetime dedication. It's a big decision to make. How do you know if it's right for you? Somebody told me once, and they were dead serious when they said it. They said, if you can do anything else, do it. <laughs> because this is the hardest industry for a number of different reasons. This is one of the only industries that you can be hired or not hired based on what you look like what your weight is, what your height is, and it's totally legal and necessary. You know, changing a bit, but still to play certain characters, to tell a story, it's important that people or individuals look a certain way. This is the one of the only industries that after every gig, you have to start all over and audition with everybody else and go through rejection and rejection. I have a pile of it's, I call it my dead pile uh, because I print out every audition that I have. And I wish you all could see, but literally the paper pile is this high right now of the auditions that just from the beginning of the pandemic until now that I've done. And you know how many shows I've done between now and then, maybe four or five. And I, I can say I've probably done between 50 and 100 auditions, you know. So that just goes to show you the level of quote-unquote rejection. It's not really rejection of me. It's just rejection of me fitting the bill of what's there. So it's a tough industry, and you have to have a really, really tough skin. But if there's literally nothing else that you can do but this, then you know that you have to do it. There's no getting away from it. So dive headlong into it and do all the work necessary and just keep going. And the number, the numbers will add up, and you'll get to where you're going. Now, I know NDAs are all the rage in show business. and, and uh, <laughs> Don't tell. <laughs> I know I'm tiptoeing on ice right now, but uh, are any uh, insight into any new projects you got coming on or any fun uh, cameos? Yeah, <laughs> cameos. Well, I was just uh, did a little cameo, on, uh, very incognito, on The Good Fight. So check out episode seven. You may see me. <laughs> uh, but also, I'm going to be, I just signed contracts to go down to to Florida to do a new production of Men of La Mancha, which is working its way through the circuit to kind of find its way back to the Broadway stage. All right. So as we start to pull the curtains on today's episode, Derek, do you have what I would call the hashtag prep pro tip that you think every student of the art should hear straight from the dream climber himself? Absolutely. Um, it's something that I definitely live by and it's really simple, but it's life is choices and choices is life. I know that's not grammatically correct, (laughs) (laughs) but life is choices and choices is life. And every day you have to wake up and make the choice to do better than you did yesterday. You don't compete with anybody. There's no competition with the people that that run their lanes alongside you. In uh, Lion King, we used to tell each other, man, just drive. And that meant just stay in your lane and keep moving forward in the journey and the destiny that's yours and yours alone. And every day, if you do better than the you that existed yesterday, you're making progress. So just keep making the choice to do better every single day. And I'm not going to dilute that beautiful quote with uh, how that relates to the SATs, but you guys know how that relates to the SATs. So 
I can't thank you enough for joining us for this episode of Hashtag Prepped. If anyone wants to reach out to you or follow you, how can they do that and follow along your adventure? Sure. On social media, IG and um, IG is the best way right now. Uh, Instagram for those who don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's Dream Climber, at Dream Climber. Uh, and everywhere else you can find me, Derek Davis, D-E-R-R-I-C-K uh, Davis. And my website is TheRealDerekDavis.com. Derek, thank you for joining us. Sitting across from me, we have the dream climber himself, Mr. Derek Davis. Best of luck on your travels to Florida. Thank you. My name is Naka. Make sure to like and uh, five-star us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And this has been another exciting and dramatic episode of Hashtag Prepped. (laughs) 